glad you're with me today. We're talking about the book of Daniel. We talked about chapter 10 yesterday, and we're talking about chapter 11 today. In chapter 11, uh, we, we find some insights into the future and what's going to happen, even our future, because what was given to Daniel here, much of it relates not to Daniel's future, you know, like immediate future, but even to the future that has not yet happened yet. And uh, there's much in the, in the news constantly about the Middle East and what's going on in the Middle East, Iran, Iraq, Israel, Jordan, uh, all those countries. And the major prize in that area, of course, is oil. And it's been very important for, that, for the people of that region to continue to control their oil, and some of the larger countries like Russia have really wanted to, to take that. And in the 11th chapter of the book of Daniel and the 38th and 39th chapters of the book of Ezekiel, there's much said about the uh, coming eternal war that's going to take place. And the Russians really want the Middle East, and that's why they're, that's why they're joining with the Syrian president to fight with him against the rebels. The first reason is because of all the valuable things that are there, and they can better control Iran, Iran, Iraq, and, and all producing countries if they capture Israel. Also, there's an amazing wealth that's, been, that's in Israel. There's an estimated 45 billion tons of unprocessed chemicals right in the Dead Sea. Besides common table salt, there's sodium, there's chlorine, chlorine, I mean, there's sulfur, there's potash, there's calcium, there's magnesium, and bromide. And Israel's goal has been in the past to export one million tons of potash or plant food a year, which is about equal to what the world needs. At this rate, Israel could supply the world's needs for potash for the next 200 years. So there's a lot of wealth there. There's a second reason. That's the geographical significance why Russia would really like to have Israel, and that's because it's the hub between three continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. And if you want to dominate the world, you need to be in control. The third is they will invade Israel eventually because they're against God, they're against the Jews, and they want to wipe out all knowledge of God. So in our study, in this 11th chapter of the book of Daniel, there's a graphic prophecy of history. It tells how Israel be, will be oppressed under the Persian and Greek rules, and finally, even to the time of the Antichrist. In fact, Daniel had asked if they can go back from the 70-year captivity if the oppression is over. But this passage reveals that it's only begun, that it's not over. Verse 35 says that it's in order to refine, purge, and make the people of Israel pure until the end time because it is still to come at the appointed time. This speaks of a purging of Israel that's been going on all through these years of history, even to the reestablishment of the Israeli nation in 1948. And verse 36 begins to speak of the final king who will oppress Israel and the Jews, and that's the Antichrist. And this is the final chapter of the chastening of Israel. And verse 36 speaks of the indication I'm sorry, indignation until the indignation is finished. This is a term that's been used to describe the final outpouring of God's wrath on the world, which we know as the Great Tribulation. I want you to notice several things about this chapter. This is kind of 
uh, deep stuff, and I don't know all about it. I don't even begin to, begin to claim I have all the answers, and I can fully explain everything. But I'll do the best I can to tell you what I think it means based on my study, based on prayer, based on seeking the Lord. Notice the king who we know as the Antichrist. He is a willful king. Verse 36, he will do as, says he will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god. He is a king who is an absolute dictator, total sovereign. He makes all his own decisions. He doesn't consult with anybody. He does exactly as he wants to. He magnifies himself above every god. He speaks monstrous things, blasphemous, unbelievable, blasphemous things against God, and he magnifies himself above them all. He's going to prosper until the final outpouring of God's wrath comes. Verse 37 teaches us he has no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire for women. He's a perverted king. All of the normal things that people have characteristic their lives are not true of this king who's the Antichrist. He's no respect or regard for the faith of his fathers. He opposes all gods and all shrines and all religions. You can see everywhere in the world people are religious, but this king is not. This man is not. He's absolutely no regard for any religion or any god. But not only that, he has no regard for the desire of women. And that is, he has no, he has no attraction to women. He has no desire to, to have a wife and love her. I think it has to mean he has no natural affection for family or normal family love, no capacity or interest in loving a woman. And he's a perverted king, perverted in every way, perverted in his morals, utterly irreligious. But he will seek to magnify himself above all the gods of the world, and especially the great and only true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And never before in history would we have accepted a leader like this, an atheist, a godless person. Uh, but today people are so tolerant. They'll accept anything if they feel it will be to their advantage. And that's why he becomes the king of the world, because he, he works to reveal himself to be for their advantage to, to trust him and to depend on him. And, and in so doing, eventually he doesn't do any of the things that he promised, but that's why he is able to succeed and get the allegiance and commitment of the people of his day because they want a king who does what they want. Notice the conflict. In the midst of his control, in the midst of his ruling and reigning, taking over the world, uh, there's going to be an insurrection. There's going to be a revolution against him. But verse 40 says, at the end time, the king of the south will collide with him and the king of the north will storm against him. But the king of the south is no doubt Egypt and African nations that will join with Egypt, probably an African alliance. The king of the north is no doubt Russia and the nations that will join with Russia against the Antichrist. And that's when they'll invade Israel. Ezekiel chapter 38 gives us an in-depth picture of what's going to take place. And verses 1 through 6 of 38 of Ezekiel, five nations are named which will come with Gog and Magog against the nation of Israel. They're Persia, Iran, which that's now Iran, Persia is, Ethiopia, or Cush, Libya, Gomer. And without question, Gog and Magog refers to the Russians because we know from, from the teaching of Scripture that that that's, relates to them. Meshach of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38 refers to Moscow. And so Gog and Magog are ancient locations 
in ancient Mesopotamia, which are a part of modern Russia. Well, we'll pick that up tomorrow. This is interesting but difficult, so I hope you'll stay with me at least for a couple of more days or so until we finish this. God bless you. Have a great day.